What's going on, family? I am KB, K to the second letter if you're familiar with the raps. <laughs> and I am too excited to officially introduce you to the new podcast, Southside Rabbi, with my very brilliant friend, who will be taking the listener on a journey where we look at theology, and culture, and hip-hop, and hopefully, by God's grace, give you very, very profound conversations that are often overlooked. Nothing's off the table. I got a bunch of my friends who will be joining me from rappers and uh, artists and pastors and creatives and comedians, so on and so forth, to create what I hope is discipleship from a distance that increases your love for God and helps you with your love for people. Up first, we've got an uncomfortable one for you, but it could not be more important. Let's talk about death. I have with me today the illustrious, the undefeated, the magical, the magistrate, Southside Spitter, this man. Holy Ghost Acquitter himself. I mean the problem, Hudson, it's, man. It's a ridiculous mess, man. What's up, dog? Hey, man, I'm just out here trying. I can't call it. <laughs> you got it. You got it. You got it. A little background on my homie, I mean, and yes, that's I mean, like you know what I mean. It's a dope name. It's Arabic. It means truth. And he is the truth. Uh, he's brilliant. One of my best friends in the world. And a little more background on the background is that I mean and I met at this little grocery store in the hood on the south side of St. Petersburg. I had recently become a believer. I was 16. I think I mean was 15 at the time. And I shared my faith with him. And he uh, was my first convert and my first disciple. And, uh, and in that, the Lord gave me a best friend. And we've been rocking out ever since. I have a new song called Die Rich. And uh, the, the song, like most of my songs, I hope, mm -hmm. is kind of the tip of the iceberg to much, much, much deeper realities. Um, the song is, in short, I was playing with this idea of how you come into this world with nothing. Yeah. You, you're, you're born with nothing. Right. And then the saying goes... That's how you leave. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can't. You didn't bring nothing with you. Can't take nothing with you when you go. Can't take it when you go. Right. But there is a perspective in scripture that challenges that on some level. Yeah. Because that's true on some level. Yeah. The Bible says that what they have done, if they've given a cup of water in His name, right. it will follow them for eternity. Right. That there are there are riches that you will leave with if what you've done in time is invested in where you will be the longest. Yes. Which is eternity. And that's just a general life principle that makes sense to all of us. You invest in what has you the longest, where you're going to be the longest, what holds your security, gets your attention, right? I think about David Robinson, uh, the retired pro baller who was accused of being somewhat rude and short with the women that would surround him after games. And when questioned about it, he said, listen... I got a wife to go home to. I got a family to go home to. That's where my focus is. I got to leave here, this conversation, and I got to go be with my wife. And if anybody's feelings are going to be hurt, he said, it's not going to be hers. Because that is what I want to keep preserved. And that is wisdom. And speaking of this concept, we think of the Bible in its language as having two realities before everyone the foolish man and the wise man foolish people wise people and this dichotomy really serves this conversation well as you think about in proverbs it says that the beginning of wisdom the wise man for you to become wise the beginning of that the elementary start is fearing god and if you think that saying that God is not there and what he thinks about life is irrelevant, you are a fool. There is no wise living that excludes God. And Jesus picks up on this theme in the Gospels when he's discussing this rich man who's looking at all he's done and he's like, yo, I've done well for myself and my interest and my uh, focus is going to be on building bigger barns to hold my great wealth. And Jesus says that man who has forgotten God, who considers his riches to be his salvation, is a fool. 
You are a fool. He says, because tonight your soul will be required of you and you will not be able to point to the size of your wealth, your following and your accomplishments in the face of an almighty God. Oh, in the face of almighty God, we have no stats to impress him. He's looking for one, those who have invested their lives in where they will be the longest. Those are the wise ones. Those are the ones with the only stat that matters, your eternal status your eternal clout that by God's grace was accomplished first and foremost for us in Jesus in giving us his righteousness and then as we work to his glory we build an inheritance that can never be taken away that is the riches of the wise my name is KB and that is my TED talk alright I'm done ranting back to the conversation death feels like it's encroaching right you know um you know, the death in culture, we see Triple uh, X Tentacion. Right. Um, DJ Effecto. Um, and DJ Effecto is a wonderful man that the world was not worthy of. I, mm. I've got to spend some time with him. Wonderful man. Um, and loved the Lord and is in glory now. Yeah. Amen. What's happened in California? I, I just had to postpone my show in Cali. And not to mention, if you're at all familiar with what's going on in countries regularly who right. have very weak infrastructures, right. hurricanes come in or earthquakes come in, it's massive, massive death, volcanoes erupt, so on and so forth. Yeah. And the older I get, the more aware I become mm -hmm. of the reality of, of death. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about in marriage how you go through these seasons where, you know, you get tested because now our parents are dying or our parents are getting sick. Right. Um, you know, you have children. Those children have issues. You yourself are fading. Anyways, we're all feeling the effects of decay. Uh-huh. And I mean, after church last Sunday came to me and said, I got this book that you have to read. It's called Remembering Death. Mm -hmm. Can we just take this first moment mm -hmm. of this podcast to just talk about death? Well, one of the reasons that I think it's important that we talk about death it's what scripture says in light of death, that everything in which is written to us in scripture comes in the context or in the light of us dying yeah. and the implications that that means for the way that we live. Right. Basically, the Bible doesn't make any sense unless you think about it through the context of your own mortality. Sin and death are the antagonists in the scripture and Christ the Redeemer smashes them both and all of the hell that they have raised on God's good creation. There's no way to be excited or to experience the promises or rock with the movements of our God towards getting rid of darkness if you're constantly denying what the darkness does and you never think or appreciate how the darkness will one day claim your life. So it is also through our thinking of death that we find a meaningful relationship with the victorious God who defeats it. Matthew McCullough in this book that he wrote, the whole title is actually Remember Death, uh, The Surprising Path to Living Hope. He actually talks about something that's called death awareness, which he calls death awareness, which is a spiritual discipline that he is saying is is something that we do, we as Christians don't do and yeah. the world doesn't do in, uh, by and large. Because nobody wants to think about death. Nobody wants to think about death. Nobody yes. ever wants to think about their own death. <laughs> it seems morbid, which we usually use the word morbid as a pejorative. Yeah. You know, encounter somebody that may be talking about death all the time and their own death. We, we just say they're morbid and we don't want nothing to do with yeah. them. Weird. But yeah, they're weird. Uh, you're, they're obsessed with death. But when you think about what it says, like in Psalm 90, 12, when it says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Yeah. The Bible makes it very clear that when we are numbering our days and when we are thinking about the fact that our days are numbered that's how we start living a life full of wisdom that's how we start a, living a wise life yeah because that comes in light of thinking about of thinking about our impending death that is to come yeah so matthew mccullough actually opens up his book he opens it up by a an example that um a famous philosopher blaise pascal gave blaise is such a dope name yeah. uh, blaise first pascal, of all right first of all foa but blaise pascal gave this example and he said Imagine that you are in a room and the room is full of you. It's you and a whole bunch of other people in this room and you guys are all on death row, basically. Mm. And they are coming into this room and they're taking people out one by one and they're slaughtering them in some slaughterhouse. And you can hear them dying. You know what's getting ready to happen to you. So they come in one by one and every single time somebody comes into the room and grabs another person, you are reminded 
of the fact that you soon will be a person that's going to be grabbed. And right. you're looking, everybody's looking at each other with fear. Everybody knows that we are going to die. It's right. inevitable. He basically says that that is the human experience on Earth. Wow. <laughs> that's basically what death is doing to what all What an of image. Us. Yeah, right? So um, it's it, it seems like a very bleak image. Sure. So he's basically saying that that is all of us. Every single human being that is living, we are sitting on death row and we are waiting, in a, in a very real sense, for death to claim our lives. Right. That's what happens. <laughs> but is it good for us to think this way? To, as the Bible says, to number your days. And that's wisdom because that is not the message that we have heard uh, from our friends and our family and from our culture. We always talk about solidarity. Mm -hmm. We do not have solidarity with the dying and those who we don't. who have passed. We, we, and even when we when we go to to give you know comfort and consolation to people and commiserate with folks, which is crazy important, yes. we need to talk we have about to do that. that. Yes, yeah, um, we've done a lot of that over the years with with a lot of different folks. We have to talk about that, right? But there's always this missing piece that that is their issue. Yes, that, it's that, that, that's what's happening to them. As, as he says, it's an, an, Death an, is an exotic, exotic experience. experience. For us. Yeah, and this is a part of what makes it so difficult for us to really relate to those who are suffering, to really feel what others are going through, like to console them in a way where we're not sort of dealing with their problem, but we're dealing with our problem. I think about Jonah Lucas's song that he dropped earlier this year called Devil's Work, where he goes on for about four minutes in what I'm going to call a theological discourse where he is trying to sort of bring a solution between the goodness of God and the evil of this world. What we call that is theodicy. How do I propose a solution for these things? Much can be said about the song. But here's one thing that is not said in the song. You don't get this impression that the artist is actually talking about a reality that's coming for him. Even when you talk about bringing people back alive who had died unjustly or died before a time that we think was appropriate. Even when we say, as Jonah does in this song, that God needs to do a cosmic draft where he can basically, you know, give us the people that we want and take the people that we don't. But if you give us back MLK, would MLK not then die again? If there's this assumption that if we get back the people that we want, that somehow we've made things right. No, we've only prolonged what is wrong. What is wrong with this world is that death gets all of us. And if you are thinking in terms of eternal life, which it sounds like Jonah Lucas is doing, he's talking about eternal life in his mind, at least intellectually, bring these people back to the heaven that is here. But no, there is not a heaven here. And our heart's deepest desire is for a life that goes on forever. That's at the bottom of Jonah Lucas's song, Devil's Work. But the question becomes, where do you get eternal life? And I think it's fair to say that in a lot of ways, the culture is trying to make that massive question small. It's something that happens to everybody else, but it's not going to happen to me. Right. Because we are in a world that's geared towards causing us to deny the fact that we are going to die. Everything right. everything pushes off the fact that you're going to die. Right. And we live in a world, especially us, by the grace of God, living in a world of modest, modern medicine, where medicine has... The, the technology behind modern medicine has allowed our lifespan to increase yeah. exponentially. Sure, sure. Right? So what, um, another thing that Matthew actually points out is that we are in a, a society now where we don't have to really look death in the face anymore right. until it really comes to claim us because right. now we have sectioned off the dying. So now the dying happens in hospitals, it happens in the ICU, it happens in nursing homes. Right. It doesn't happen like in our home and these things anymore. We have set up these institutions that said that now if we want to see someone die, especially if they're dying like slowly of some kind of debilitating disease or terminal illness, we go to watch people die in right, a very right, real right, sense, right, right? right? When in the 1800s, like when in the, in the 19th century, death was around us all the time. Sure, people sure. were dying left and right. right. People were getting diseases. People were right. passing away. Right. You People were having 10 kids. Eight of their kids were dying before yes. they were 21. Yeah, yeah. So we were constantly surrounded around death in those times, and it caused us to really think about our lives in light of death. And veiled in this is a profound insight on the issues surrounding the gospel and the south side and the future. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, we have 
a truth that is more universal than we think. It just teaches us about hope. Those who have a future have a present. If you can see where you're going, it provides tremendous power for where you're at. 1 Corinthians 15 says that if Christ did not raise from the grave, then we should be pitied. Feel sorry for us. We're still in our sin and we have wasted our lives. But if Christ has risen, then it brings all the value and all the power and all the purpose to the moment because of where we are going. Our eternity is secured. But if you live your life not seeing a future, seeing all that is in front of you as all that there is, you will have to go one or two directions. One, as Paul suggests, if Christ is not risen, if there is no future for us, get good at partying become a partying expert all right suck all of the pleasure that you can out of life because tomorrow it could all be over but if you have you find if you find yourself in like an inner city and you don't value your life because you feel as though it's meaningless because you're inundated with your mortality as you see it all around you if you feel like your life has no meaning oftentimes you treat other people's lives like they have no meaning a lot of times the simple lack of a future on an earthly level. I don't see myself living past 21. I don't see myself in a career. I don't see myself uh, getting that job. I don't see myself completing that degree. I don't see myself starting that company. All I see is what's in front of me and what's in front of me is darkness and doubt and destruction. That's what I see. You talk about an American dream, folks, you need a future to dream it all. And since we know that seeing is becoming, if you see that, you often become your environment and a product of it. What one famous philosopher would call this, he would call it a subconscious narcissism mm. that we believe that we are not going to die. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is not us. Uh, we do know what's going to happen, but we really don't think it's going to sure. happen. Sure. You're not actually factoring it into your life. To right. do that, would, as you mentioned earlier, would be weird. Like right. you're one of those dudes who we look at uh, you know, in the, the in the lunch, you know, cafeteria, you know, style in yeah. high school, you had black fingernails and stuff like that. <laughs> goth. I mean, yeah, gothic. Yeah, you know gothic, what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, shout out to gothic. I mean, if you want to do it, that's cool. But that's what you think. It's people are like, oh, I'm obsessed with the. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love death. Oh, Sorry, you want to watch yeah. Faces of oh, Death yes, again? Please, and again, bring it to me. Yeah. But the 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 fact of the matter is, though, there are individuals that I've gotten to spend time with. Mm-hmm. In third world countries, right, where again that you don't get the luxury of sectioning off right. that experience, or if you are, he talks about in the book, not yeah. just in third world countries, but yeah. if you are in a neighborhood, sure, like the neighborhood we grew up in, exactly, or like Chicago, sure, where sure. all of your friends around you are dying all the time, right, 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 and, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Then when people who have to grapple with it uh, often, you know, have a unique experience that those who've sectioned it off don't have, so. Yes. It's one really of the things that I have noticed, mm-hmm. um, and this is part of what draws me to, uh, I, I had this song, Lonely the Champions, which I was saying w- was a, a celeb- celebration of those who are, who are marginalized. Right. Because when you see somebody who is outside of the resources of society, Right. If they're just surviving and they're still taking care of their family, they're still um, uh, uh, you know, celebrating holidays, they're, they're still uh, keeping up their customs, they're still keeping hope alive. Right. The people that don't give up when everything around them is saying, let it go, yeah. you're not going to make it. I have this line in my song, Lonely the Champion, where I'm describing this immigrant family where a parent is looking at their child and smiling, communicating peace and love and hope, even though that parent knows that danger surrounds their family, whether it be from the cartel pressing against them, whether it be from insurrection in a government that is failing, whether it be from robbers or terrorists as you are journeying through the night trying to seek asylum and a better life for your family before you say anything about the law of the land or the the politics that you ascribe to, can you not just see the courage Can you not just see the heart? Can you not just see the power of hope? And I think that this is magnified in what Christ does for his people when they trust him, even in darkness, even in the face of the greatest setback, death or suffering. 
they still hold on to the hope of the gospel that hope is not put away through circumstances now i have spent a good amount of time thinking about the experience of african-american peoples in this country uh, particularly from a historical standpoint and i have always been struck by how jesus had captured the hearts of so many slaves despite the abuses of their slave masters who were trying to use that Christianity as a way to calm them down and make them more controllable but it worked against them it worked against them because it actually gave these men and women and children a freedom that slavery could not touch that their arms were bound but their souls were free and they continued with a joy and a resilience that kept them moving towards celebrations and festivals and culture and marriage even though they constantly stood face to face with degradation and danger and shame that to me shows off the power of the gospel it shows off the power of christ in the face of darkness so i am struck by this experience in the church and outside where you see people the grace of god in helping folks hope in the midst of perceived hopelessness. My homie got back from Israel and was telling me a story about a gentleman that he met there who was contrasting the American experience and the experience of some folks in the Middle East. We could be killed. We know that our lives could be right. over by the end of the day, right. yet it does not stop us from living our best life. Yeah. The giving, that, that it's this weird connection that we give our all to our families, to right. our pursuits, and, and we experience real joy, even though we are in far more Living danger than you. Yet you have folks in America right. who don't even have that kind of danger, but live As in this, they do. this depression, yeah. anxiety, and all these things, right. trying to cling onto their life. So what that says to me is that ignoring doom right. and avoiding suffering is not the pathway to joy. It's not. The human experience says something. The Bible says something different, right. and the human experience also right. says something different. It's not different. the pathway to joy because what we are doing is we are denying reality. Yeah. You cannot experience the reality of Christ's joy that comes in your life if you deny right. the reality in which it's supposed to enter into as wow. far as context. That's right. So Christ is, the joy that we get from living for Christ is supposed to enter into a reality in which we are dying. Yes, that's yes, why, yes. That, that's literally what, that's why the gospel is so important because we are going to die. Right, right, and right. And then that's when we are going to really live, whether right. in eternity with Christ right. or we're going to suffer for eternity in hellfire. Right, right. Right? So if you are denying the very reality, the existential reality of your life that you are going to die, then there is no way that the gospel can actually have, the promises of the gospel can actually have such a very, um, a, a just like a very like strong effect on your life in the way that it should, because you are not really living in the context in which the gospel should affect your life. And That's that right. is the context of your, your death. Yes, yes, right? yes. So, he actually talks about in the book is that we as Christians, we think about death the way the world thinks about death. Mm, Honestly, yeah. we try to cling on to yeah. life as much as we can, right. like scratching fingernails coming off right. to the light, to our life in this world. Right, right, That's right, how right, we, right. we try to preserve it with everything that we can. Now we're not saying like KB said that you should be a masochist, right. but what we're saying is that we have to understand that we are going to die. One of the things that Matthew McCullough actually points out is the fact that you are not too important to die. Woo! So the fact is, the reason, one of the reasons that we don't think that we're going to die is because we think our world revolves around us. So he gives a, 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 an example in the book when, when he says that we are basically the protagonists of our story, that our life is like a film. And everybody else and everything else in the film are supporting actors and we are the main character. Mm. And just as we see in movies and films that we watch all the time, the main character cannot die. That's right. It wouldn't it it would, can't it, happen. It, 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 Batman <laughs> cannot die in his own movie. Yeah, it yeah. Would, that be, and, and not only that, but everybody else's death. And everything that happens to everybody else 
is in light of what does this mean for Batman? That's right. That's right? right. So if 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 Batman if Robin dies, what does that mean for Batman? Right. It's all it all go it's all centered around the main character, and that's how we kind of live our lives, as if though we are the main character. All of my friends, my family, my spouse, my kids, everybody else are supporting actors for my life. Right. I can't be the one that goes. Right. And the fact of the matter is, as Ecclesiastes says, you can. Right. That there is not anything that you it, we think. I mean, I got kids. I got podcasts. I got I got ministry that I'm doing it's too much important stuff for me to die and it's like no it's actually not yeah, 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 that yeah. there have been many there have been many important people that have died that are yeah. doing things much more important than you than you like yeah. you think about MLK yeah. you think about Steve Malcolm X you think about Steve Jobs yeah. people that are doing much more important things than we are doing on a next on, on a day to day basis as far as what we judge as effective or not have died that's right so death does not care about he he, it, it, he talks about um in the book about how existentialism came to place that you had these philosophers that were thinking about what what does life mean for us and, and what we have determined as far as life is that we give our life our own meaning. So we say we are going to determine what life means for us. We are going to say life means family or life means accomplishments or life means this. And we say this is what life is going to mean to us and this is how we're going to make it meaningful for us. And he says that death basically comes and makes a counterclaim and says that's all well and good. It Whatever you decide to cause you know meaning whatever you are deciding gives your life meaning is great yes but guess what whatever you decide right. you cannot decide to be immortal wow because whatever you decide i am going list. to come and take it all away yes it and doesn't matter honestly this is um it's a, as we were talking about before right um that ecclesiastics is is this setup mm-hmm. to i mean you think about the wisdom of Solomon. Right. That this is the this is the gentleman this is that the has man. the perspective on how the world works. He has had everything that we. When you think about, I'm sorry, I'm not going to touch you off. Do your thing. When I think about hip hop, I yeah. think about how Lil Kim had a song a long time ago, and and uh, and and it actually represented. I feel like her song was the raison d'etre of hip hop, and not only of hip hop, but of the human experiences. That money, power, respect is what we want. Yes. that's how the song went. Money, power, respect is the key to life. Money, power, respect, what you need in life. So. Solomon had money, power, respect. Yes. Everything that you can everything that hip hop says they have, when I think about hip hop, because that's had the context. It. He yes. had it. He yeah. had women, a oh, harem of, but, of concubines. Yeah, can we not even you, you, you're, not, you're bragging about the women that you've been yeah. with and other people's women that you right. be that, that, that you right. want to be with or are right. going to get? This man had every thing that you could imagine, yeah, any mixture, any sort of exotic novelty. He had the whole team. He had armies. Yes. He had chariots. Yes. He had homes. Yes. He had, he, he, and, and he basically, what Solomon does in Ecclesiastes is, is he gives himself like a test, like a hypothesis. And he says that I'm going to explore yes. these things. This is what we all want. When you tell me that money isn't everything and I don't have money, right. I have to figure that out myself. Exactly. I hear what you're saying, brother. Right. I should, that you're not happy with your money. Right. I am going to I'm going to go out Yes. and I, I, I may be wiping my tears away with $100 bills, right. but that's way better than wiping away with ramen noodles. Not, yeah. So, yes. so it, the, even when we hear people at the top say, hey, it ain't all it's that up all, there, yeah. we can't, our hearts won't accept yeah, that. That's not true. So, and, and I think even in Solomon, Solomon's a wise man. Right. He knows that this is futility. But even he, he goes after it. Yeah, says I'm going to be the one that proves. And he does it for us. Yes, he said. And, and the letters is the 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 letters that Solomon. The, what you see in Solomon writing Ecclesiastes stuff is really to the young. It's really to people that have their whole lives ahead of them. Sure. And Solomon is saying, I am going to do a test for you, and yes. I'm going to let you know whether or not what the thing the things that the world says that you should be pursuing is actually worth pursuing. Right. So let me do that for you. I'm going right. to be the test subject. Right. So I am going to build. Gardens, I'm going to build homes, I'm going to have a harem of women, I'm going to do all of these things, and I'm going to let you know what my results are. Right, 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 right. And that's what Solomon does is that he, and and what's so crazy is that we tend to look at Solomon as like he is upper echelon. He, we will never experience the kind of riches that Solomon experienced, like the kind of, the kind of opulence in which Solomon lived in. But Matthew McCullough actually challenges that and he says, actually, Solomon's life is more like a middle class life than you think it is. Yeah. And he says the reason that it is is because if you think, if, if Solomon came into our lives right now, he would say, you guys have way more than I would have ever imagined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cars. Yeah. Technology, yeah, Netflix, right, 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 flat screen TVs, <laughs> yeah, yeah. communication on our watches, right, 
um, like he was saying that the 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 life that Solomon has is not very far from the middle class life. Sure, sure. We actually have all these things. We have chefs that can make us stuff. We can go to restaurants and that's have right. any kind of food we that's want. That's right. That's right. Uh, we and and not only that, they are talking about women, but now we live in a a a, a sexual culture that is energized by a pornography industry. Yeah. Ever thought of yourself as Solomon? Hmm. Interesting. At the end of the day. All of us can relate to the human experience yes. of pursuing pursuing what we have determined is the good life. Yeah. We all have a vision for what we wish the world to be. Right. But what you wish the world to be is not what the world is, right. man. And what you will have to submit to in the end is the reality of this existence, not how you wish this right. thing would work. Right. Because I wish, you wish that at the end of all our pursuits, if we could just get to the next level, they ask the, you know, Rockefeller, what is the, 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 the limit for... Right. Enough money, he said. Just a little bit more. And Rock, he, yeah, it's crazy. It, it's it's if if he you, is a what if you get a little the, bit more in the economy. Sure, and and that's how he felt. And if everyone feels this on every every level, right? Then we all are united in the futility of pursuing our ultimate joy and satisfaction in the things that are under the sun. And and right. I think in that respect, no matter where you're on the spectrum, if Solomon is the top and you're right. somewhere on and the bottom, the bottom. we are all equalized by the fact that we feel this general promised land, right. this heaven that if we work hard enough, we can get we to. will get to. And once you get it, you will find yourself, we think about 2008 when the economy crashed, where billionaires who were turned into millionaires were killing themselves. Right. Billion. Like, like you're Chris, a millionaire like Chris now. Chris Rock said, if Bill Gates woke up with Oprah's Winfrey's money, he'll jump out the window and kill himself. That's what exactly am I going to do? That's exactly what was happening. And what's crazy is that even in, and even in here, Matthew McCullough shows that studies find that now, though we are making more money than we have ever made, like in history, yeah. we are the most depressed than, than we've ever have been. That's and right. Have the, so it's, it's not the more money that you make, the more we're going to feel satisfied, but the more money we're going to make, it shows us how futile it is. Yes. And this is one of the things that actually shows that it's futile. Whatever you are trying to accomplish in your life, whether it's more money, whether it's uh, uh, accomplishing more in academia, whatever the case may be, whatever you have for your life that says, if I get here, then I will feel satisfaction. Marriage, kids, home, dog, whatever, whatever yeah. the case is. Imagine you do actually get there, right? Matthew actually talks about this, McCullough. Imagine you do actually get to that point in your life where what you have been working the hardest for all your life. You get there and you celebrate it. You're like, yes, finally. You go to the doctor to get your checkup and the doctor starts using words like terminal. Mm. He starts saying things like stage four. Mm. He starts saying things like you have six months left to live. Right. All of that stuff that you just accomplished will feel like it is the most unimportant thing in the world yes because death yeah comes and it levels everything for you right. right so what death does is that death humbles us and when we experience futility futility is us experiencing the power of death to topple what you thought would be substantive in your life mm. that's what death does death make death comes along and says that's not important yeah that's not important that's not important right that's why it doesn't it doesn't matter how much money you have or your accomplishments if you hear that you have stage four cancer and you're dying yeah it doesn't matter anymore it doesn't you're gonna sit you're gonna have an existential crisis and here's the kicker you are dying that's the thing that what he talks about <laughs> is that all of our all of us are terminal. Yes. Every single one of us. We, every every generation, folks are trying to move that out. Yeah, wait till now, you hit 60s 65. are the new 30s. Yeah. Now, 30s are the new 20s. No. Nah. It's good that you feel it that at 30. Yeah, it, you're right. It's absolutely good. Yeah. Because That's what Solomon would th say. But there are, there are the, the world gives us alternatives to right. deal with that. Right. They say, well, all you need to do is just move it out 10 years. Just make yourself seem like you're 20. Right. Act like you're 20. Right. Dress like right. you're 20. Right. Have a 20-year-old mindset. Right. You're trying to find ways to regress. He think, hey man, shout out to Jigga Man. Jigga Man's like 50, still calling himself young. I, I hear you. I hear you, bro. Yes. But it's all, we, we, I'm going to be Lil Wayne until I'm 90. You know what I'm saying? So there's, there's this, hip-hop teaches that. It right. teaches us that as well, but it's not hip-hop. Hip-hop is a reflection of the culture. Right. We're all fighting against the idea that we're terminal. We're right. all, we're, we're all, that's what makes it difficult when we go to commiserate with families or we go to commiserate with the dying where we do not 
feel solidarity with them because right. we don't see them as a reflection of ourselves. Yes. This yes. is why it was a beautiful point that that we, the, the, the book talks about this gentleman who had survived all these crazy things in World War II, a prisoner right. or a prisoner of war, he's right. stranded at sea, he's fighting off sharks, and everyone around him is dead. He still survives. He comes home. He's this 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 flaming image hero. of survival. Yeah. He's a hero, and then he gets he gets pneumonia. Yep. And he's and he's out of there. Yep. And you think about that, like, man, how could one who survived so much take this? Taken by like something like that. And before yeah. I give the kicker to that, let me just say that I heard someone say one time, and it was trite and very inappropriate, should not have been said. Mm-hmm. But when I thought about it later, I was like, man, this is actually true. Right. Someone was 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 talking about the uh, a tragedy. Mm-hmm. You know, someone had um, you know a, a building had come down and some oh, people had died, man. and and they were like, man, like. Man, I, I I could have been in that building. Right. I, I could be out of here. And this gentleman responded to him by saying, oh, you'll get your chance. Mm. And I, in the moment, was very bothered by him saying that. Right. But as I mulled over, you know, sort of thought through it over years, I was like, this is true. Right. If it doesn't get, the shark doesn't get you. Something else if will. The, if the bullets didn't get you, if the if the camp, it will come yeah. now. Yeah. I think that we've established the reality, and I want to be clear that it is good for us to reject the world's way right. of dealing with that, which is basically ignoring it. Yes. Try to ignore it until you don't have to anymore. Because, because what we do when we ignore death is that we ignore what the promises of God can do for our life. Yes. So Matthew McCullough says, as long as death remains somebody else's problem, Jesus will remain somebody else's savior. Woo! That's what he says. Can you say it again? As long as death remains somebody else's problem, Jesus will remain somebody else's savior. It will not be personal. Yes. If death is somebody else's issue, then so is everything that Jesus' salvation and promises mean to death. Yes. If it's not your issue, then those promises are not going to mean anything to you. They're going to seem like some kind of nebulous bits of information that's in the clouds that doesn't make its way down into our hearts. It turns Christianity into a massive goodwill charity. Right. That's all it is. There's things that you can do in this worldview that make you feel a little bit better about yourself, uh, yes. but the, it, but it is not fundamental to reality. And what's so yeah, and what's so crazy is yeah. that that's what a lot of philosophers thought about Christianity. Yeah. That's why people you just you guys just use it as a crutch. Yes, right. Because you're you're gonna die, right? right. You guys right. Just use it as these things, and it's like yes, but it's because it's true. There is truth that gives context to our death. Right. You, on the other hand, yes, has something that the philosophers call in here absurdity, right. which means that I recognize that my Everything that I do in life is meaningless because I'm going to die. Yeah. So I have two things. I can either, they, that's what the philosophers came up with, is that they came up with two uh, um, responses to that. Right. I can either kill myself now yeah. and just spare the, it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Everything is meaningless anyway. Or I can just act like death. I'm, I'm just going to act like death is not coming and my life is meaningful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just going to ignore death. Yeah. Which is what the majority of us do. We just ignore it and act like everything else is, is, is meaningful and death is not going to yeah. happen to us. It makes me even think about 1 Corinthians 15 right. where Paul is giving a affirmative Counseling. He's right. giving affirmative counseling to eating, drinking, and being merry. Right. If this is all there is. If this doesn't mean anything. If all you can do is try to get your rocks off. Right. Before you have before the tomb closes on you, then yes, get good at it. Do you need it. to. Yes. Be, we need to have. We need to have full like um, uh, studies and you groups and mode. degrees yes. on how to suck the 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 joy out of life because it is going to be over soon. But that's absurdity. Yet. Yes. The, the 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 thing that that rocked me about some of the things that this gentleman was saying is that all that you have accomplished will be stolen at some point. Right. You will work your your fingers to the bone for something that will belong to someone else, man. Right. And there's nothing you can do about it. And that feels so discouraging if that is the reality that, that there's no eternity. Right. And I just want to say, so we, we just to kind of sum this up, yeah. we want to carefully think through the messages that are being brought to us every single day. Yeah. There's va- God says thou shalt not kill. That means that you shall preserve the life that God has given you. Right. This is not a call for us to become masochists, crusaders who no. don't think or, or value their lives. Right. But I do want to say, though, that ignoring the fact that eternity is coming has helped nobody. Isn't that ironic? 
that it's counterproductive to not talk about it because you don't talk about it because you want to improve things, but it doesn't improve anything to ignore it. Such is life. Ignoring things fixes nothing. Even when we talk about issues of justice, this is my biggest thing, is that we have to stop denying reality. Yes. That's what we do. Yes. We deny existential truths yeah. and be, to make ourselves feel better. Right. And, it, and, and, and if we are vanguards of truth, and if our God is the God of truth, he is the truth. It's yes. not like truth is something out there, he has it. Right. He is truth. That's right. Right? Then we cannot, in the same breath of, of, of naming the name of Christ, claiming the name of Christ for ourselves, deny the reality of truth. Right. And one of those realities is death. Yeah. And and again, just because, like they said, death is far. Just because death is far from your, your mind doesn't mean that you are far from death's mind. Mm. So we can put it all out. But it's not going to do anything to change our lives but make us feel better. Right. 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 But it's also going to rob us of the promises of God. Yes. And the fact that our our life is meaningful yeah. because death is not our problem anymore. That's right, that's right. That's it is right. not our problem. Because right. death is not our problem, yes. I don't have to live in fear of death being a problem for me. It will. everything I do is meaningful. Death is not going to level me. Yes. I love what Billy Graham said. He says, you will hear that I have died. Yes. The day will come where they will say Billy Graham is dead. Resist it. Right. Resist the idea that I'm dead because I am actually more alive than I've ever been. And all the work that I have established yes. in my time on earth is going to follow me into eternity. Right. And it will be the trophies. It will be it will be the the, the the real what the Egyptians were trying to accomplish yes. in the tombs. We will actually have it through our mission for Jesus. Yes. And we will enjoy it forever. So don't you believe leave when you look at me laying there don't start to think that i'm defeated right i want you to think about jesus who defeated the death right. that seems to have taken me right. for it has not ended me it has not leveled my yes. accomplishment yes. it has actually propelled me into my right. true destiny my true life my true accomplishments right. and this is what it does for us too i know that there are Folks who have offended us, mm -hmm. I, of course. Like right. everybody has people that have, that, have, that have done them wrong. Maybe somebody owes you money. Let's leave it there. Let's start right there because that's the one thing. People owe you money and they act like they don't. It really starts to do something mm -hmm. to you, right. all right? Especially when you see them on Instagram spending money. Flexing. <laughs> Flexing. Flexing with my money. <laughs> yeah. If that person were to die mm -hmm. and you were at their funeral... And as their mother was crying on the front row, you walked up to her and said, man, I'm really sorry for your loss, Miss Jenkins. But I'm going to need that $1,500. But Tyrone owes me $1,500. I have bills. You know what I'm saying? I, I hear he, he's in a better place. I get you. I am not. My rent is in a really bad place. I'm truly sorry to be bothering truly you, with sorry to bother you with this at this time. But this is my reality. You would rightfully have your tail whooped by everybody right. in that funeral, <laughs> right. right? Because the priorities of life are made clear through that final moment. Mm -hmm. Here, we go. Here we go. In that moment, you start to, to realize that the things that you fought about, big and small, are meaningless. One of the, and, and that transfers. That transfers into all of life. Right. Some of the the jobs that you're pursuing, the risks you refuse to take, the the things that you refuse to let go of, the things that you could that you uh, you keep falling into. Right. All the things that make so much sense. In a smaller way, I think about this with marriage. When I talk right. to men about their temptations, right. when we're sitting down and we're like, yo. Girl at work is ready mm -hmm. and I am struggling. Things right. are, and I say, man, as you're fantasizing of what that would look like, I need you to also fantasize about the destruction right. of your children walking away right. with your wife to a cab, driving up the street, and you never seeing them again. Right. I want you right. to think about how right. you're going to wreck their minds and their hearts. And I also want you to think about what this is gonna do for your wife. Right. Think about how this is going to wreck her vision. 
vision of herself, right. her vision of, of, of life. How is this going to hurt her faith? And you right. don't want to be responsible for hurting somebody's faith. Right. That's the area. There's lots of areas that you don't want to be responsible for. At the top level, I don't want to be responsible for stopping you from believing. Right, because you might as well throw yourself at the bottom of an ocean. Put a stone around Jesus your neck says. and jump off a bridge. Right. This is Jesus' recommendation to you. Right. And what I'm in that same in that same breath, when you think about that in an ultimate sense, the fact that we are like we are like a speeding bullet that cannot be stopped. Right. Towards a moment where we're standing before God, we're in eternity. Right. That if you look at it from if you look at it from eternity back, instead of looking at it in the now and right. blocking out eternity, right. if you look through eternity at today, it begins to put things in their proper places. Right. And this is why it's important to think about this. It's not morbid. Yeah. It's actually the it's path not, to joy. And that's what he was talking about in there, too, is that we, as we start thinking about death uh, uh, rightly, or rightly, we stop using terms like morbid or seeing the term morbid as a pejorative. Right. Because it's not. Right. It helps us put things in, like you said, perspective. Like, again, God forbid, if somebody got stage four cancer right now, those Yeezys that you want would be the the, the little least important thing. Yes, the degree yeah. would be the most least important thing. Right, the money, right. the home would be the least important thing. Right, right. It puts everything in perspective. When death is on the table, right. it starts making every, it starts putting every, the thing, the reason that things are in perspective for us a lot of the times, especially for me, is because we feel like death is not on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. That's so right. so Absolutely. If, if, if I knew that I was going to die tomorrow, if God somehow came to me and said, tomorrow you're going to die at 430, yeah. I, Everything that I was trying to accomplish would not matter. It wouldn't I matter. Would, I, I would I would intentionally start trying to focus on everything that matters. That's right. That's right. right? Like that's if right. you heard in two weeks, you're out of here. Right. You're gonna intentionally start saying, "What do I need to do right now that is going to matter that for eternity?" Matters. Yes. Right. So, yes. Th so death, our our the death awareness that he talks about here causes us to think about those things now yeah. all the time, so that we live like that now yes. in light of death. Yes. That, again. All of these things, the Bible gives all of these these things about death and everything as an implication for life right now. That's what does right. it mean for us right now? That's right. So, like as you said, Solomon's book is Ecclesiastes is is, is greatly messianic in a way in which we don't see because it sets us up to to what Paul says in First Corinthians fifteen. Yes, that if Jesus has not risen from the dead, everything is meaningless. Yeah, but if he has. Everything has meaning. That's right. That's everything right. has everything. meaning. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're taking out trash for a living. Yes, yes. Everything has meaning. For the kingdom of God which is coming. Let me Amen. read this text from First yes. Peter 1 24, chapter 1, verse 24 to 25. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. Mm -hmm. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that is preached to you. And it's a part of the enemy's work to make you think that you're not grass. Woo, to make man, you that's think so true, man. that you are actually vibranium. Right. Yep. And, 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 indestructible. Because if you're indestructible, then the word of the Lord, Means which nothing. isn't indestructible, is just another competing indestructibility you know, uh, thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. you, uh, you got it. I got it. Yep. You right. got life. I got life. Right. You, you don't see it as you, you, you don't become dependent upon him. You don't, you don't see him right. and what he says right. to mean everything. And this is what I really want to say as we, as we sort of wrap this, right. this piece up is that the, Peter says that the word of the Lord will remain forever. What God has said is of ultimate value. Mm. That includes all his promises. Yes. That which are not sweet. His promises are not sweet. And what the strength that he gives for us today to endure what we're in, the strength that he gave to my ancestors right. and, and, uh, and who endured the translatic, translatic slave trade yeah. Yeah. and then went to Barbados or the, the uh, Virgin Islands and went down to South America and uh -huh. Mexico and uh -huh. then into North America who were there and found Christianity despite the, the the abuses of the masters. They found this Jesus who was more like them and not those who were enslaving them. Right. When they got a hold of Jesus' promises, they exploited this, his promises. Right. They drunk down his promises. He, they sung songs about his promises. And that's what gave them the strength to continue celebrating life, coming up. The getting married. Having getting children, married. Yeah. Having, make culinary advancements with the parts of, of, of animals Scraps. that we were getting. These things gave great meaning and they knew that they were holding on for their children, that my children won't endure this. If I continue to fight and disciple right. and bring this to them, hope will give you hope 
in the face of darkness still will shine. Yes. And the darkness of the situation actually brightens the hope. Right. Doesn't mean we should pursue it. Our right. circumstances vary, but it's not slavery or darkness or death in the faces of the promise of God is not a real fight. The yeah. promise of God always wins. And I just want to say that that's what the word of the Lord includes. And the word of the Lord also includes what all he's commanded. The fight for justice. Yes. Why does it matter yeah. that immigrants are not being treated like human beings? Why does that matter? Mm-hmm. I'm not an immigrant. Right. You know, why does it matter that folks are being oppressed by wicked systems? Mm-hmm. I'm the, I'm fine. Right. I live in the suburbs. My wife. Me and my is straight, wife are good. I got insurance. I'm a black I dude. I made it. Bank. You can make it. Why too. does it matter? Other people right. are going through that. Right. Because God's command, the word of the Lord, which will remi- which will remain forever, has said to care for those who are being oppressed. Yes. And care for those who experience injustice. And that remaining forever, and 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 which is communicating the word of God is going to follow you into eternity. Absolutely. But your your lack of not doing it. It, and that's going to come to an end, yeah. but God's truth is going to follow you that's into eternity. That's right. And your lack of concern, yes. and I, I, somehow this, this found its way back no, into but the it's, justice it's conversation. Fine. But let this be just a small blip in the conversation right. as we think about eternity and right. the promises of God. But if you don't simply love mercy, I mean, whenever we think about justice, we always think of it as something that is different from the mercy of God, right. which is there are two different categories. Right. But when we think about the ultimate justice of God, which simply means what is right in God's eyes, what he blesses. Mercy is a part of that. Yeah. If you are not merciful, if your heart doesn't overflow then, in mercy, yeah. you, you are committing judgment. injustice yeah. because you will be judged. Yes, He will judge your lack of mercy as injustice. That is what the word of the Lord says, yes. and that's what's going to remain forever. So my obeying the word of, of the Lord has so much meaning, and my disobeying the word right. of the Lord has so much meaning. Right. And that, it informs how we live how our we lives live. here. Yes, yeah, that's true. Romans 8, verse 18 for I consider the sufferings of this present time, they are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. In verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? Mm -hmm. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, this is that a fortiori, Mm -hmm. he gave up his son. Will he not... With the son that he gave up, give us all things. And he gives us all things graciously or lavishly. He's going to pour every single thing that you need into your life. Yes. And he proves that he does that because he sent the one who's more important than your life. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ has come. The Lord Jesus Christ has conquered. The Lord Jesus Christ saves, brings us in to a new life, a new community that will reverberate and exist forever. It brings all the meaning, all the joy, all the happiness that is falling through our hands. It is in the risen Savior. This is the importance of the resurrection. Amen. That he has defeated the grave subsequently. He's defeated futility. Yo, yo, yo. Look, Southside Rabbi.